Welcome to the Beyond Ordinary Woman podcast. Every two weeks, we'll post a podcast version of one of our free training videos, but you can access them now at beyondordinarywomen.org. This episode or series includes downloadable information on our website, beyondordinarywomen.org. Go to resources on the main menu and click on podcast slash video extras. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Kay Dagon. I'd like to welcome you to this video series produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. My guest today is Nika Spalding. Welcome, Nika. Nika is a graduate of the University of Oklahoma and Dallas Seminary. She has a Master's of Theology there, and at this point, she is on staff at a church plant called St. Jude's Oak Cliff, and she is the resident theologian. Resident theologian. is so... Elevated. Yeah. The words are so elevated. Anyway, it's great. It's, I know it's a wonderful opportunity for yeah. you. And so I'm excited to welcome her as we talk about the fact, really, Nika, that there you could you could hear almost anything that you want to hear and you want to believe out there. Absolutely. It's, it's all out there. And particularly in this age of the internet. Mm-hmm. And anyone can post, anyone can say anything. I know that several months ago, I read an article in Christianity Today. The author is Tish Harrison Warren. And the title of her article was, Who's in Charge of the Christian Blogosphere? And there's nobody in charge. So so that brings us to our first video where we talk about what's the problem. Yeah, yeah. She really lit a fuse. And I don't know if she anticipated that she had done that or not. And what the article really just laid out was we have all these competing voices. We have uh, women from from ministries all over the world. And as Jen Wilkin adequately or brilliantly pointed out one time, the most influential voice in your church may not be your women's minister. influential woman may be an author, it may be a podcaster, it may be a speaker. And so, which brings up a problem today that that women's ministers a hundred years ago did not have to deal with, which is how do you help your women sort through the onslaught of resources? There's books coming out every week, it seems like. There's articles, there's blogs, there's podcasts, there's social media influencers, there's art, I mean, you name it. And there's all these people competing for the hearts of our women all saying they're they're giving a message of truth and sometimes they're not hitting as close to home as we would like within our churches and so how how do we do that and how do we do it ourselves absolutely because there is so much i think and and many times somebody in a in maybe a smaller church isn't really on staff she doesn't have a theological education and she needs to understand how to sort through these things herself as she presents bible studies and things like that to the women that's so true it it is a question i get asked all the time what do you think of this author what do you think of this curriculum what do you think and and because there's a healthy fear which i love of i don't want to read something that's not going to honor the lord i don't want to read something that's untrue how do we navigate it? And that's really what the, these series of videos are going to be about. And so the first one is sort of what's the problem? And and some people might be going, especially if you're a millennial, which I love, they might be going, well, there's no problem. That's great. If, if a little bit's a good thing, isn't a lot bit a great thing? Um, and I would, I would caution that. And I would say, hey, there's this word that we use in theology and a bunch of nerds love to use, and it's called orthodoxy. And, and I always ask people, what comes to mind when you hear that word? And often they think of a branch of the church, the Orthodox Church, Eastern Orthodox and all that. 
But really, they got that word, they, they got it from the, the true root of the word. Orthodoxy just means right thinking. It's just a word that means what we think about the Lord, what we think about His church, what we think about His people would be in a line with what the church has always held. And so orthodoxy is an important word. We throw it around all the time. But why it's important is because our orthodoxy leads to our orthopraxy, which is to say that our right thinking leads to our right living. And I don't want to oversell that. We are not just thinking things. We are also loving things. We all know that gal who in her mind goes, don't date the guy on the motorcycle in a leather jacket, but then her heart takes her with him. So, I mean, we're, we're also creatures of appetite and we're creatures of heart. But what we think about the Lord and what we think about as people absolutely affects the way that we live. And so when you've got, when you're consuming, you know, and you're consuming ideas and thoughts and authors, what you put in your body absolutely matters because it's going to take shape. It's going to form your appetites. It's going to form what you believe. It's going to be those knee-jerk reactions when somebody says, what is God like? You're going to bring it into your body in such a way that you go, oh, he's like this. And you use a metaphor from maybe some author you've heard or some, some book you've read or a podcast you've listened to. And if it's not right, then that's a part of what you believe about God, which is going to shape how you act toward God. And so we have to be careful in what we bring into our lives. We have to be careful in what we, what we bring into our thought lives. And I'm not, I love reading authors I disagree with. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do that. Um, but when we read books that are pastoral and they're shaping our view of the Lord, it's important that we do it with a critical eye. And it's important that we do it with a solid understanding of what is true Orthodox faith. What is it that we believe? And Part of the problem is before, in order to get a book deal, you had to be a great writer. You had to be, um, you had to have credentials, right? You know, people with PhDs were given opportunities to write books. Now it's a different ballgame. If you have 10,000 followers on Instagram and they think you can sell 10,000 books, you could write a book. And the publishers, um, they, I think they do as best they can to make sure they're putting out quality literature. But at the end of the day, they're, they're, they're making money. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about... And, yeah. and I understand that most of the Christian publishers are owned by secular companies Absolutely. who just want them to make money. Absolutely. And so you can understand you're trying to make a living and you've got a women's minister who, or actually, typically it's not ministers. This is part of what Tisha's point was, is that sadly, because so many women haven't found an opportunity to use their voice in the church, they've left the church. And and so they're using platforms outside of the church, which within the church, you know, I am a resident theologian. If I say something or write something that's out of step with what the church has always believed, I have a pastor and I have elders who will come sit me down and go, hey, you've got to write a retraction. You've got to pull that back in. And they're accountable to me in the sense that they're reading it. I think so many women who are podcasting and writing books and all of that, sadly, and sometimes because of their own failure to have accountability and sometimes because they haven't had a voice in the church, nobody's nobody in authority, I should say, is reading their stuff or watching what they're doing. And that's not true of all of them. I, I'm a huge fan of so many writers, and there's so many great books that are coming out right now. I, many of them are from my actual friends, flesh and blood friends. So I'm not saying don't read every new book that comes out. But what I am saying is we've got to be discerning, and we've got to know who is in charge. And ultimately what it comes down to is you are. <laughs> You're in charge of your spiritual growth. You're in charge of the growth of the people, the flock that God has given you. And you're in charge of going, what is it that I believe to be true? And so one of the things that I love about talking about this is there's a way that we can, instead of having people feel like they're just swimming in an ocean of data, swimming in an ocean of information, we can begin to form a really good understanding of what orthodoxy is. We can help women understand good theology, good thoughts about God, things that the church has 
always believed. And when we give them a framework in that way, then suddenly they can become self-feeders confidently. They don't have to constantly go, is this a good book? Is this not a good book? Do I need to wait for somebody else to read it to tell me it's a good book? Do I, if it makes me feel good, is that bad? If it makes me feel bad, is that good? And instead they have a measuring stick to go, if it says something against this measuring stick, then we've got a problem. There's a rub here. And I think that that's where as leaders in ministry and as, as just Christians, just our own self that we need to have a really good understanding of what it means to be a Christian, what the church has always believed about Christianity, and that becomes our grid through everything passes through that. And we'll talk about in the next video what that grid is, a way that you can do that quickly. But I think it's important for people today to begin to understand what I think affects how I live. So what I'm choosing to put in my body, I need to do so with a critical eye. And again, I'm not saying don't read things you disagree with. I mean, I do that all the time. I think it's important that we know what people are believing and learning and how we're being shaped. But can I evaluate it? Can I weigh it accordingly? Can I be able to look at it and go, hey, you know what? For 2,000 years, we've all believed that he rose from the dead. And this book doesn't seem to think he rose from the dead. So this is not a good Christian book. It's something, but it's not a Christian book. And I think we can help our women. We can help our men. We can help our churches. And we can help ourselves if we have a good theology. Well, let's think about that woman out there who may be in charge of her women's mm -hmm. ministry, and she's not sure she really has yeah. a good orthodox background herself yeah. to help the women. Yeah, she can. She can become knowledgeable, Absolutely. even if her pastors and the people who are in teaching positions over her Absolutely. are not teaching this, she can become knowledgeable about this stuff herself. Absolutely. And I would encourage her to do so. That, I mean, Scripture is clear about we love the Lord our God with our, our all of our heart, all of our soul. And I think that women have done those things. Um, but we've left mind and strength sometimes to men. And then think now we can go, no, I can love the Lord with my mind. I can study well. And the resources abound. And the next video will be a great resource for Absolutely that. It will. So we do hope that you will join us because we will get into the practical aspects of how to do this in the next video. Thank you, Nika. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the Beyond Ordinary Women podcast. You can find more podcasts and information about women in leadership by going to beyondordinarywomen.org. This podcast was produced by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries. Our production team includes Evelyn Babcock, Kay Daigle, Kay Halligan, Deborah Herring, Sharifa Stevens, and John Sparks. Theme music, Back in Stride by Don Miller, used by courtesy of Christine Miller.